Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Pat Richards. Pat Richards has scored. A magnificent try. Link to the field stuff. Oh, that is one of the great grand final tries. Welcome to the West Tigers podcast, episode number 10. And uh, it's a Friday. It's uh, TGIF, I suppose you'd say. Eddie Otto, how are you going? I'm good, Joel. Plenty to talk about again. We're only two weeks out from kickoff, but uh, some breaking news this morning. Yeah, well, still not confirmed, although reading between the lines with uh, this article from Adrian Preschenko in the Sydney Morning Herald, he's not talking about potentially. It sounds like he's got uh, some inside information as to what's going to be handed down a little bit later on this afternoon in regards to the uh, the West Tigers penalties uh, from the Robbie Farrar uh, after-playing contract uh, agreement debacle, I suppose, the way you'd put it. But the good news is Justin Pascoe looks set to come back. We're talking about a June return, which means he would have missed six months in total. Um, you've also got uh, a fine halve down to 375000 and the salary cap penalty uh, spread over two years, so 370000 a year. That means there won't be any shedding of players. That means that Robert Jennings will be fine. Um, I've got to say, Eddie, I'm pretty happy with that if that's what turns out to be the official case later this afternoon. How about you? Yeah, I think my initial reaction just to seeing that article on my phone from the, the SMH was just, just a bit of relief. I mean, I, I'm still not 100% comfortable with the process, and I don't think many Tigers fans are as well. But if they are to be the results of um, our appeal, which was by all accounts a very strong one, submission that we made, uh, I think we have to be satisfied because, like you said, uh, having a big fine, salary cap spread over two years, uh, not having to shed players, and most importantly, uh, getting the CEO, Justin Pascoe, back in June. Uh, that means he's essentially nearly served half his suspension anyway. I think it's mm. backdated to December the, the 19th um, when this broke. So assuming that's the only slight concern I have, assuming he's not feeling particularly slighted uh, from the NRL yeah. and he wants to return, uh, I don't think there's any point uh, pushing on and, and appealing any further, given the reduction in fines and the fact we're getting our CEO back in June. Your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Look, there's still fairly hefty uh, penalties when you think about it. Uh, if, if these penalties had been handed down in June, we would have been fairly upset about it. So um, I think that we come out of it uh, with our reputation pretty well intact. I think that really... I believe that it, that it was a, a clerical error. I believe it was maybe just a little bit of naivety. I don't think it was a, a you know a concerted effort to, to to not tell the NRL or anything like that. So I'm happy. I think we should just move on and get on with it. And hopefully Justin is uh, not too burnt out from the Ivan Cleary sagas and uh, all the other stuff. And, and with all this, and that it comes back and hits the ground running. Uh, it's already we're into March, so it won't be long till he is back. And I think the club the club needs him to come back and uh, continue on the good work. Yeah, and you say you say burned out. It might not be a bad thing in the end. Um, mm. It wouldn't be wouldn't be a particularly easy job being a CEO of West Tigers and with all the the things that go on there behind the scenes. And he's he's had to do a lot of rebuilding, and he's been part of this um, getting the club into the black and, and hopefully 
getting the money for a centre of excellence down the track. So a little six-month holiday, so to speak, might see <laughs> him um, come back refreshed and, and wanting to do another five years. I think that's what all Tigers fans want. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, I'm sure that if you spoke to Justin, however, I'm sure it hasn't been a peaceful and relaxing and uh, pleasurable <laughs> period in his life. No, I wouldn't <laughs> Now, the good news is we, of course, had the, uh, the trial last week, which was uh, included a few Anaroa players, but really it's back and it's, it's serious from this week. We've got the, the trial against the Warriors over in New Zealand, and uh, the team has been named, and uh, I was right about one player selection, and you were right about another one. How do you feel about the team heading into this game? Yeah, overall, when I look down from 1 to 17, I wasn't too surprised. I think we'll, we'll touch on where we... Maybe we disagreed on the on the Tuesday podcast and um, some of the couple of contentious selections or 50-50 selections. But uh, I just wanted to say before we get into the team, the, the good news for all Tigers fans is these two games are going to be broadcast on Fox. If you've got Fox at home, I think the, the Magpies are playing an interest uh, Super Cup game at 1 o'clock mm. Australian time. And um, we take on the Warriors at 3 o'clock, which will be on Fox Sports. So that will be good because you don't usually get to see the... Um, the trial's on telly, so I'll certainly be watching. I believe coverage kicks off on Fox from midday, and uh, if you don't have Fox, like me, because uh, I just can't get it for technical reasons at the moment, but I'll have it in a couple of months, um, there's a problem with the uh, the cable out the front of the house, and we've got to wait for the NBN to be switched on, but uh, hopefully, hopefully that happens soon. But uh, yeah, apparently it's being streamed as well on the Warriors website, so... Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that are doing it that way, myself included. So, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that. Of course, we should also mention the other news, which was the and just before we talk a little bit more about that team, obviously if you scan down the side and there is a name missing there who definitely would have been in the second row, Chris Lawrence. And, uh, uh, look, terrible timing to, to experience a, an injury like a broken jaw. Eddie, not good, and at training even worse. Yeah, very unfortunate for Chris Lawrence. Uh, we've mentioned... Uh, previously on the podcast that he is a player that occasionally gets a couple of injuries throughout the year, but usually they're sort of soft tissue injuries in games. This is obviously a freak, probably contact injury, maybe in a post session, something like that. Um, The club hasn't gone into details yet. They probably don't know how long he's going to be out for, but a broken jaw can be anywhere between sort of four and ten weeks. So uh, for a player like that, not an ageing player, but an older sort of player, he, he would have wanted to hit the ground running. And now gives an opportunity for a couple of other guys to essentially come in and, and make that spot their own. Yeah, exactly. And um, look, I know it's not a good thing. You can't put a positive spin on it other than the fact that, well, you know, potentially if he, if he has, if he, if he is back in say round five, uh, he comes back fresh and fit. And that might be about the same time that we get a couple of injuries and a couple of little setbacks in, in the team that starts the year. Um, it may not end up being a, a tragedy. Let's just hope it all it all gets together and, and uh, heals really well for him and he's back as soon as possible. Um, and it's amazing when you say, you know, not, an, not a particularly old player. When you think about it, he made his debut in 2006, 13 years ago. It just goes to show you how young Chris was when he, when he started in the team. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, I remember that debut game against the Broncos, a, a long, blonde-headed kid playing, I think, on the wing that day with yep. a bunt speed and... A little bit like um, Luke Lewis, I suppose. He went sort of then into the centres and now into the back row and uh, and is sort of still ploughing on. So I think we'll actually miss him a little bit more than maybe people think uh, because I think even though he's not the most dynamic back row in terms of making 140, 150 metres a game, it's the little things in his game, like his line speed in defence, um, his reliability defensively next to a halfback, his combination with someone like Luke Brooks. So that's someone... 
uh, something that someone like Luke Garner will have to learn a little bit on the run through experience. Mm. Um, you can't you can't buy that straight off the bat. So uh, a little bit of a blow before round one. All right, we'll get into the forwards in a moment. Let's start with the back line for the game against the Warriors. And no surprise to see the captain at fullback, Moses Mbai. Uh, we had spoken uh, last time on the last podcast about uh, my feelings that Jennings was going to get one of the centre positions, and I was correct. And he will line up in the centres alongside Esan Masters. The wingers are Thompson and Nofaluma. And you were right. Benji Marshall at 5'8", not Josh Reynolds. Luke Brooks at halfback. Uh, not a bad balance. Yeah, I think a good balance. I think uh, probably we we did agree that the best wingers were Corey Thompson and David Nofaluma uh, coming in. So you said that Robert Jennings would probably be be played in the centres by match, and, and that looks like the plan. It gives us a, a sort of a strong-looking centre pairing, uh, a bit of size there with his son Masters and Robert Jennings. Uh, you'd expect Jennings to line up with Thompson on the left-hand side and, mm. and Masters and Nofaluma to partner on the right-hand side. I guess the surprising one was more Benji Marshall. I sort of picked up on this maybe a week ago just from some quotes from Maguire. Might have been quotes from Josh Reynolds where he said, Madge is trying to make me a little bit more of a ball player, sort of more of a team player rather than a running 5'8". So whether Josh was sort of hinting that he's trying to change his game and that the style that Madge wants to play is more halves setting up their outside backs. And I think it's fair to say that uh, comparing Benji Marshall and Josh Reynolds, I'd say Benji Marshall's been a better ball player than Josh Reynolds' his whole career, even mm. though he's four or five years older. Um, and it looks like, you know, I've got some stats here. We won 12 of 21 games with Benji Marshall at 5'8 last year. That's a 57% win ratio. So uh, his performances maybe tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, but he was a pretty reliable, steady hand with that combination with Luke Brooks. And it looks like he's going to get first crack here, which is... I was a bit surprised, but maybe not as surprised as you. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, and we don't know. On the day, it might change. Uh, you know, it's a trial. If you look down the Warriors team, I mean, you know, a sign of how serious it's being played is that they haven't even named any sort of structure. They've just named their players. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I mean, the thought, the thinking behind it could be simply that Reynolds really hasn't played much football in the last two years, so um, bring him in gently. Um, and if, if, if Benji performs the way that we know that he can as a good game, then uh, you know he may just grab that number six jersey for round one, and uh, and Reynolds might find himself on the bench or or making his way in through the uh, the Interest Cup. I mean, we just have to wait and see with that one. But at least we've got some sort of idea as to what's going on now. And um, look, it is a trial. And Maguire with his new structures and his new offense will get a chance in that game to see both Reynolds and Marshall. Uh, in action alongside Luke Brooks and the other guys. So we'll watch and wait and see what happens with anticipation. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how he uses his halves. It's sort of, it was coming to vogue the last five years that one, you know, halfback will play on the left and the 5'8 will play on the right. And then last year we saw some more innovative sort of coaches like Seabold have their halves float a little bit across the field and, and combine a little bit more. So that, that's one thing I'm going to be interested to see how Maguire sets up his teams mm. in terms of, the structure he uses is halves. Yeah, absolutely. The forward pack, not too many surprises. Uh, last time we spoke, I was saying that I wouldn't be surprised if Madison was the lock. Uh, but he's gone for Taylor at lock with Madison and Garner in the second row. Interesting about Garner because, you know, as I said after watching that uh, that game last week against the Bulldogs, he was pretty quiet. Um, so straight into the, the starting team for this trial, the young man. Uh, and no great surprises up front. Packer and Madalena with uh, Farah at hooker. I... 
yeah, Elijah Taylor at Lockham, just I'm not so sure on that strategy at this point. Yeah, I one of my predictions for this year is he's going to have a big year. Right. I, I think I think the last couple of years he's been a little bit a little bit punch drunk. He's had a, a lot of, a few head injuries. He's been moved around. He, he played hooker for parts of the last two years under Jason Taylor. He used him as a real link man ball player. Yep. And then sort of when Ivan Cleary came in, he, he became more a, a sort of stock standard hit-up man. So I, I think he's been a little bit all over the place the last couple of years. And when a coach like Michael Maguire comes in, who's known for his intensity and, and what that, Elijah Taylor was a player that struck me straight away, straight away that would, would gel with a coach like that. Mm. And it was interesting, some of the, the quote he made, and I don't know if this was a shot at Ivan Cleary, but it was surprising from a guy who's quite, who's quite, you know, downbeat and straight down the line as Elijah Taylor. He said, "You can certainly notice, notice the difference mm. between premiership coaches and ones who haven't won a premiership." Yeah. Thanks for coming, Ivan. Well, you know, you think about it, and he, Ivan, has coached Elijah more than anybody else in the NRL uh, at three different clubs. So uh, Elijah would know Ivan uh, back to front, and uh, very interesting comments. Because, I mean, who else would he have played under in there? Obviously, Jason Taylor, who you just mentioned. Um, so, really, he is getting his first opportunity to be coached by a, by a dual premiership winner. And uh, it, was, it was not the most diplomatic thing to say, um, but good on him. I think maybe that was something that needed to be said, given the, 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 uh, the damage that Ivan did to the club. Why not? Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to remember, a lot of these players probably came to the club because of Ivan Cleary and phone mm. calls that Ivan Cleary made, and some of them packed up their lives from New Zealand and came across. So, I'm sure, there's still a little bit of feeling the way it was, the, the way it all went down. Um, I mean, I don't think he said a whole heap of goodbyes. I think the rumor was he sent a, a group text message or whatever. But yeah. just just back on Elijah Taylor, I think when you've got a lock that is predominantly a defensive sort of lock, doesn't run for over 100 meters. There's got to be a balance in the pack where you've got some meter eaters, and that's yep. where someone like Ryan Madison may help him, someone who could be a little bit more maybe dynamic in terms of getting over the advantage line and, and Elijah Taylor can be relied upon because he is glue in the middle of the field. I know he's not the most dominant defensive player, but, geez, he gets through a power of work, and I actually, think, I actually think he's going to have a good year. I'm certain he'll be the lock, and I think he'll have a good year. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. He is the ultimate professional uh, and just let's make sure that he never plays uh, in dummy half position again. That that didn't do him or us any favours, I don't think. But no. uh, yeah, look, I'm a fan. Hope he is there in some way and contributes in a big way. Um, so yeah, the the back row definitely, by the look of it, is uh, a work in progress, and we'll wait and see what happens there. The bench: Reynolds, Eisenhuth, uh, Alex Twal, Michael Cheekham, Mahe Fanua, McQueen, Liddell, and Thomas McKayley, right in the mix. Yeah, I think the two players there that maybe, or three players, those first three players, Josh Reynolds, Matt Eisenhuth, Alex Twile, they would want to be starting players. And um, they're probably going to have to impress in this trial game to, to get into that round one starting team. I think uh, Twile would be in contention for for either a starting spot in the front row or at lock, uh, whereas Eisenhuth maybe again at lock or, or second row. But I sort of like that combination there on the bench. Gives us a little bit of size in the middle of the field. Uh, Josh Reynolds, it'll be interesting to see what role he does play because let's remember last year when he did play those few appearances off the bench, it, it was in a sort of hooking role coming on for, I think it might have been Jacob Liddell, but mm. uh, I can't see a scenario this year where we've got both Josh Reynolds and Jacob Liddell on the bench yep. um, because you're only going to have two forwards. So 
I'll, I'll ask you the question. Do you think when he comes on, say say this is round one, not a trial game, do you think he'll come on for Benji Marshall in a halves role or do you think it might be more in a hooking role to give someone like Robbie Farrar a rest? I don't think Robbie Farrar probably needs a rest. I think he prefers playing 80 minutes. I think we've got to play Robbie at 80, for 80 minutes. Um, look, I, I'm not the coach, but at, at this point of time, without watching these guys and seeing how they're going, I mean, we don't know who's going to start in form, who's not in form. I'd be going with Reynolds and Brooks in the halves, and I'd have Marshall on the bench and and Farrah running for 80 minutes. You, you, you've got to. I think we're strongest with having Marshall in that that floating utility role. He can play in the halves should he need to. He could he could slide into the centres. He could he could play a bit of dummy half. Um, I think that that's that's my combo at this point in time. If I was picking the team, that's probably what I might be trialling to start with. Who knows? I mean, we, we've spoken about Farrah in 2019 a, a couple of times over the off-season, and we don't know how the season's going to go. He, he could be there for every game. Uh, he might exit stage left after 10 or 11 games. We just we don't know, do we? And uh, I guess a lot of it is up to Jacob and how he starts the year. I think Jacob will be starting uh, in the lower grade. I don't, I don't think we can run with, with Farrah and Liddell uh, in, in the first grade squad. I think it's uh, we don't have the muscle up front to, to carry you know, potentially two, you know, a Reynolds and a, and a Liddell, as you say, on the bench. Yeah, I tend to agree, although, although I do think if you chose to play, you know, Josh Reynolds, for instance, in the State Cup for a month to get his fitness up to speed, yep. given he hasn't played a lot of football, then I think you could play Liddell maybe as a 20-minute hooker who can provide a burst of speed maybe early in that second half. So that will be interesting because if that is the argument against Josh Reynolds that he hasn't played a lot of football – well, getting 15 or 20 minutes off the bench isn't going to be the easiest way maybe to bring him back. Maybe it yeah. would be better to play 80 minutes uh, for the Magpies for the first four weeks. I'm sure he won't want to do that as a, a guy who's our probably our top pay earner and be- biggest signing. Um, but again, it's um, he, he's just had rotten luck over the past couple of years and mm-hmm. he just needs football under his belt. And it looks like it's, it's either going to come off the bench or, or maybe in the State Cup. Yeah, and you know you, you do make a very good point. Maybe that is the best way to do it. I mean, a lot of the question is: is Jacob Liddell an eighty-minute hooker, or, or is his strength and and what we've liked about him has been those injections off the bench, but he's come on after thirty minutes and made a couple of breaks. I mean, that's that's a, an unknown quantity as well. Um, you know, if if he is ready to come in and, and be an eighty-minute hooker every week and. Uh, and provide those bursts and, and that creativity that he does seem to do in those shorter stints that he has had on the field over the years. So, yeah, again, another thing that we'll only be able to establish as the year kicks off and we get to see how all this pans out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just looking out tomorrow for not necessarily we have to win the game or anything like that. The one thing first I want to see is no injuries. The second thing probably want to see is just a good, competent defensive performance and the players looking fit across the park. And then the third thing is maybe just an insight maybe into the style of football we're going to play, whether Maguire will choose to play a fairly safe brand of football sort of power game tomorrow or whether he'll look to use this trial game to try and develop a little bit more finesse and combinations among sort of our our halves and our back rowers and and guys like that. So that'll be interesting. Exciting times, always interesting with a new new boss in charge and uh, I'm looking forward to the game. And Eddie, we'll catch up. Uh, for another podcast after the trial match against the Warriors and when we've got uh, the, the final decision on the the uh, NRL penalties handed down, we'll have all that to talk about. And uh, oh, there's, uh, there'll be a mountain of things to start talking about on each podcast. Yeah, I'm sure we'll catch up maybe maybe on Sunday to review the game and, and go through the final details of the uh, Pascal and Salary Cap sanctions. So looking forward to that, Joel. 
Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Eddie. And thanks, everybody, that's been tuning in and downloading. The numbers are fantastic, uh, the downloads and the plays, which is great, and, uh, and on iTunes. And uh, thanks to the West Tigers Forum for uh, letting us post up there and let everybody know when the podcast drops as well. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always send an email if you've got an opinion about what we've spoken about or, or extra things, uh, topics you'd like us to discuss. Uh, the email is very easy, feedback at West Tigers Podcast. Or uh, as many people have been doing on the forum, just pop the question in there. Comments also uh, very much appreciated. All going well. Looking forward to a, a big year, Eddie, and it kicks off one more sleep, essentially. Absolutely. Thanks, Joel. I'll see you next time.